It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome in to the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor. With Rick Boring from Musketeer Report, Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal is on assignment tonight. Special guest, though, from the NKU Television Network. I don't know if it's a network, but it is NKU TV. He is Brady Labor, the play-by-play voice on TV for the NKU Norse. Brady, welcome. You've had some big shoes to fill with Chad, I will tell you that. Huge shoes to fill. Uh, I'm just glad Chad, you asked me to be a part of this. I think Chad actually has pretty little feet. Maybe that's but, what he meant. There's but that. big that shoes. Is. That's possible, so you don't have a lot to fill then. Uh, we're going to talk, obviously, some some NKU. We'll talk Kentucky. We'll talk UC. We'll talk uh, Xavier, and uh, we'll talk some national college basketball, but we will also talk a little Kobe Bryant, and I do want to start there very quickly before we move to Xavier. Um a, whenever you hear something like that, it's, it, it is jarring, it is shocking, it is tragic, all of the things that, that you want to throw out there. I, I do, I'll start with you, Rick, on that. When you heard the news today, I, I think I texted you and Chad both, and I because I was at my basketball practice, my team practice today, and I saw a report, and I thought, mm, is that really, is that true? And I, I had to look around, I asked you guys, and got a quick response, yeah, it's true. Did you buy it initially? I mean, as good as it yes. sounds, yeah, okay. I All did right. because it was TMZ reported. Yeah, they're usually and they, very solid. Uh, they are the best they really news are. organization in America over the last decade, bar none. I take I, people think I'm joking when I say no, that. no, I'm I, I dead know, serious. Yeah. They're never wrong. To their credit, and, and to their credit, while a lot of stuff that they've reported is outlandish, like the death of a superstar NBA player, they've usually nailed it at that point. Yeah, and so I knew it was real when I saw that. At the same time, my exact tweet was, "This doesn't feel real. Right. Like it just Kobe Bryant dead. There's no way." Um, for me, I'm not going to sit up here and act like I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. No, no, I've yeah. loved to hate him his whole career, but that's why it it kind of hurts because he was a perfect character. He was so relevant always. I mean, even to this day, just yes. last night, LeBron gave a huge interview about passing him and talked about how Isn't much he weird? means to the is whole it, league. Yeah, but that is a little weird to have was, that happen last night and then this happened today, right, where he passes him on the scoring list. I mean, for a guy who, from my opinion, was not nearly the player everyone makes him out to be in terms of like his ranking among all-time players, I don't think he's like anywhere close to the top five, personally. I, I think he was, I think he was an, one of the most brilliant scorers of all time, but I do not think he was a top five player. But that being said, though, his influence in our culture, the shoes about how many players or kids grow up thinking he's the best ever and, and looked up to him as like their Michael Jordan, always surprised me, and I always respected that part of him. And there's a lot of other polarizing aspects of his life as well. Sure. I don't know if tonight's the time to talk it's about not, that. Right. I, yeah, we know where that's going. Well, and right. if you look back at the Shaq and Kobe feud, I think everybody was on Shaq's side right. for the most part. Oh, I definitely And Kobe was. was the punk kid everybody yes. thought about. Yes. But it's funny. It's equated to a lot of people. The older they get, it seems like the softer they become as far as the way people will accept their faults. And really, time does heal all wounds. Well, it, it, I mean, Vail Colorado is a perfect example. Another reason why that guy was hated. Right. And no, no you haven't heard that a for time. a long time until today. There was the handful of people that aren't going to let it go. And quite frankly, you really shouldn't. But it just proves that all the mistakes in my life hopefully will get forgotten about if that one does for Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and he, he kind of reinvented himself a little bit, right? I mean, he he won an Oscar last year. He was coaching his daughter's basketball team. He was big into pushing girls' basketball at this stage of the game. And girls' basketball has obviously exploded over the last two decades, but it's kind of gotten a little stagnant. Now here comes Kobe Bryant along with daughters and a daughter who's a superstar and he's coaching and he's pushing it and he's pushing the agenda of it and suddenly it gets a little new life. And I think people see that and go, wow, this guy actually cares about girls basketball. I mean, this guy actually then is is talented enough to to go produce an animated film and win an Oscar. Um, And and I think part of that is time does heal all wounds. But for that, Rick, I mean, he had gotten to that next phase of his life that I think we all want to get to at some stage. He got to it way earlier than all of us did, but he got to the next phase of life of enjoying things and doing what you enjoy. And he certainly had the wherewithal to do it, but it it kind of reinvented him a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's where it got hard for a lot of people, even the people who didn't like him as a player, to not at least respect him um, and his greatness in terms of like that dude, even if he wasn't a basketball player, was always going to chase greatness and anything he did. And he's a special guy. There's no question about it. Extremely driven, extremely intelligent. I disagreed with tons of things that he did and said throughout the years. And again, I really didn't like him as a player. I loved hating him as a player. Um, but he left a huge mark on not just the game, but really our entire country and, and internationally. He's been huge, a huge influence internationally for the NBA as well. All right, you brought up the point. I don't think I'd put him in the top five players of all time, all those things, but I was going to ask about the scoring aspect. When you look at pure scores in my lifetime, 
I don't go back to Oscar quite that way. I don't know if Oscar was a pure score. So I'm going to go probably to starting with Kareem because Kareem's variety of ways to score were just obscene. The sky hook was just a transcendent shot that no one could defend. And he had drop steps and he could dunk it and he could run the floor at the end of his career when he was with Showtime Lakers, all those things. He, to me, was the number one scorer in my, in, of all time. Wilt was in there. Wilt was just brute, brute strength as a scorer. But Kobe is in there, in my opinion, top five as a scorer, right? Just as a pure score. I mean, dude, you get 81 in a game. You get 60 in your finale. You can score that thing. Without question. Um, the crazy thing about him is how he literally seemed to just mirror Michael Jordan's game. It was like he, took, he put on Michael Jordan highlights and perfected everything that Michael Jordan did really well and then repeated it and added some of his own stuff right. along the way as well. I'm not saying he like stole Jordan's entire game, but... We didn't, we didn't really see many guys who could replicate the stuff Jordan did, especially with like the fadeaway and the way he isolated guys you know, off the block six to eight feet out. It was just so good at that. It's like that's a, kind of a unique part of the game that he looked almost identical to Jordan as he developed that. And also the fact that he just had no weaknesses. I mean, he kept building on his game throughout his career. And I mean, get, get downhill, fadeaway game, shooting the long three, shooting it in your face, faking it and going to the— I mean, all the things that you're like— how do you, what, what, what are you going to take away? Elite yeah. ball handle. I mean, he he lacked passing only because he wouldn't pass. Right. But by a certain point in his career, he had great vision and feel for the game and could pass if he wanted to. Well, and longevity helped him too. He sure. only had the one injury, right. and that was towards the end of his career. Because I think there were better scores than Kobe Bryant that people forget to talk about. George Gervin's one of them. George Gervin is one of them. But he did not have... That twenty year career, and sadly for George Gervin, he played a chunk of his career in the ABA where you never saw him. But you're right. yeah, George Gervin. But as far as if you're going to say scorer versus scorer, right. I mean, yeah, George Gervin's a guy who clearly I think would be better than Kobe Bryant. Finger Not that rolling. Bryant was bad, but that you know, twenty years in the league that really helps, and the fact that it was in more of a modern era, like you said, where games are on TV every night, unlike in George Gervin's days. And there was a bridge between Michael. And LeBron, from a superstar perspective, there were other guys obviously in that in that era, but Kobe was kind of that bridge, right? Yeah, oh yeah, without question. I mean, most kids that are like playing college basketball right now or oh, just yeah. got out, he's their Jordan. I mean, they did you see the Joel Embiid tweet? I didn't. It, it was incredible. Joel Embiid said he, yeah, I didn't, I knew he didn't start playing basketball till late in his his life, life. Yeah. I mean, that's not late in his life at this stage, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Most kids have started at six or seven. He started in his for a Division One basketball player. It's yes. very late in his life. Started yeah. in 2010. You know why he said? He finally watched Kobe Bryant play and fell in love with basketball because of Kobe Bryant. Now, that can be lip service for today, right? But I thought it was kind of genuine and honest. I went, wow, I'm thinking about a guy in 2010 who's never played basketball, watches Kobe Bryant, goes, I want to play that game. And now he's an NBA superstar. It's That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, insane. It is because of the, the way the game has gone international, especially during Kobe's career. Yeah. All right, before we move on to college basketball, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Um is is he the guy, or is it Garnett, or is it in combination that kind of set the tone for today's either one-and-done guy or the guy that made that jump just because he did it so successfully, or, or no? And I'm not, it's not a finger of blame, it's just I'm asking the question of do you think he was that guy that made everybody start to think, I can do that. There were, there were others who had done it. To me, the one I always think of as sort of the pioneer was Garnett for yeah. me, I feel like. But, I mean, Kobe's certainly in that conversation. Well, and I think they both came out the same year roughly or the, within I, a year yeah, of roughly. each other. I, you know, one's a guard, one's more of a right. post player, especially at that point. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's 1-1A one one as far as them, too. They were the two that made it successful. I think there was a couple guys that had gone ahead of them. Oh, there were. That, they just, that not clearly like they had done it. Yeah. Clearly, it, it wasn't a good move or it wasn't a successful move. But, yeah, those two guys are definitely the forefront and really a lot of people had heard about Kevin Garnett because everybody's yes. infatuated with bigs yes. right but a six four five or six guy you're thinking well that guy's gonna get lost in the shuffle how dare he think he's gonna skip college and that dude was pretty good from the start yeah that's the other part he was very good from the start for goodness sakes all right so let's move to some college basketball that's what this podcast usually is about but we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little Kobe Bryant um, today Xavier loses to, uh, to Creighton 77, 66 as always, we do this on a Sunday night. So it is today for us as we do the podcast. Um, I was fascinated by a couple things. A, um, uh, that Xavier never, it never felt like they were really even in the game, but B, I was really fascinated by the FS1 all access, Rick. You? I thought it was a really cool look. I wouldn't want it all I wasn't the time. sure I was going to like it initially. I didn't, but then I really, I came to love it. It seemed like a lot of fans did not like it at all. Really? Yeah, I was kind of shocked by how down the fans were on it. I think a lot of people enjoy 
broadcast way more than I do, though. I don't like most TV broadcasts. I think most of the crews, especially in the Big East, are really poor and add just about nothing to the game and, for me. And I thought the guys that were doing the game, because obviously it's not about them, the broadcasters that day, it's about the all-access, but I thought they chimed in at the right times with some salient points. I, th- I thought it was really well done, and I was surprised by that. Yeah, um, I I really enjoyed it because I thought it gave you even, especially, and maybe it's better for someone like me who's been able to be at practice a decent amount sure. and familiar with some of the calls and stuff. So when they're saying things, you know what they're relaying to the team a little bit more. You know what some of the calls mean in terms of the set plays. And I was stunned by, like, I knew Travis Steele was running a lot of set plays this year. I was stunned by, I mean, the percentage of their offense that was set plays today really stuck out to me. Yeah, I, I think you and I talked a couple times, and that was the thing a little bit to me. I was stunned how much he wanted to run sets. I even said, there's a part of me that thinks it was a little too much. I mean, if there's a Xavier fan base, and you're obviously way closer than I am, that thinks that they don't run anything, and maybe you don't like what they run, that's fine. But if you don't think they run anything, unless today was a show, they run a, they run probably more than, in my opinion, they should. There were times I'm like, Get that thing and go. I get you're down to seven guys in rotation. I get the minutes are limited. I do understand all of those things. There were a couple of long rebounds like get it and go as opposed to, whoa, hang on a second. Let's go zipper again or let's go one thumb down, three slide sideways. I, I get I get some of that. I do. But a part of me went, man, that's a lot of sets. Well, it felt a lot like a McCronin team, right? It did. And I mean, that's what we know. A lot of control. That's what we've been saying about this Savior team now for a year and a half is that on, uh, this is not how it was planned to turn out, but with the roster they have, they have kind of had to make this a uh, grind it out, play a rock fight. I mean, you can't run with Creighton if you're Xavier. Quite simply, you can't let that score get up too high because you're not going yeah. to shoot a high enough percentage. Yeah. I understand you need to take it. You're saying take advantage of more easy opportunities. Yes, when you have the opportunities. When right. you have a, a long rebound but in numbers, here, here's, go. But here's the problem with this Xavier team. They don't take advantage of those no, opportunities. They right. throw the ball out of bounds yeah. or they travel. I mean, that's... Quite frankly, that's the issue. And you, you were talking about fans not liking what they run or not running enough stuff. What fans don't like is that their offense isn't any good. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't know what the issue is. Like, think about this for a second. Tyshawn Alexander, I believe, shot more free throws or shot about the same amount of free throws as Xavier's entire team did today. Xavier's not a team that's out there just jacking up three. No, they're, they're trying, trying to, to pound, pound it, it inside. In. Yeah. And they can't get any fouls. Why? Because seven... People are stacked in the lane on every single possession when Xavier has the ball. And it's just like, you don't have to foul when you've got three guys surrounding the ball with their arms up. And, uh, you know, Tyreek Jones comes out, travels multiple times, misses multiple layups on the first several possessions. Najee Marshall turns the ball over four times in the first half. Paul Scruggs can't make a shot. I, I mean, when your leaders are playing like that, you don't really give yourself a chance. See, I think what today showed me, if I'm a Xavier fan, is my coach is grinding. He's trying. I like what he's trying. They're just not good enough. And if you look early in the game, I thought they did a great job of getting the ball exactly where they wanted to. And that's all you want as a coach. I want yep. to get it. Look, if my team is inside-out three-point team, or my team is I can set a flare screen for a guy for a three, or my team is I'm going to find a way to get it in the right spot down on the block. I thought they did a great job of that. But guess what they didn't get out of that? Points. Yeah. That's what counts. And that's nobody's fault. I'm not even blaming the players for that. I mean, some of it is sometimes you just you don't finish. Some of it is length is around you. Sometimes you're just having a bad day. I mean, Tyreek Jones early on, I think, could have set a tone where Creighton was going to have to go, damn, we got a problem here, man. What are we going to do to stop this? Well, they still were trying to fight there. You could hear... You could hear Doug McDermott talk a lot of times about trying to fight over the top of it and get around it and trying to front the post and do different things to make it hard to get the entry. But I think he even realized there a few times, whew, we just dodged the bullet there because they got it right where they wanted, point blank, and didn't make. Yeah, I think we've known this for a while, or at least felt it for a while, but at this point, we're far enough along in, really for the second year with this similar group of at least your core guys. We talk about the core four coming back with this year's team that the realization has hit that they're just very limited and they're probably not good enough basketball players in terms of their IQ and their feel for the game to overcome the limitations that they have on the offensive end because they don't lock in consistently enough defensively when they need to. Um, They can't seem to get out of their own way in terms of the turnovers and the miscues on offense. I I don't know what the solution is in a lot of cases, and we've gotten so far along with this thing that as a fan, you can look back to last year's last six of seven of the regular season, the way they they came together and and really sold out to a team mentality, and they even hit a few shots along the way to help them keep that thing going. But I don't think you feel very hopeful about that happening again, especially in this year's Big East, where it's a little bit more difficult. Now, the Big East has clearly separated itself. There's a top five and a bottom five, and right now it feels like those top five are pretty good NCAA tournament seeds and the bottom five are all going to be out. And so unless something changes for like Xavier or DePaul in the next couple weeks here, 
they're, I think they're all going to be watching the uh, NCAA tournament at home. Well, I mean, so the perception was he doesn't run any sets. That was proven incorrect, at least today, meaning Coach Steele. And it was thought that Coach Steele is a guy who brings in high-level recruits. And now we just said, well, the players might not be as good. So where, how did we get to this point, Rick? Well, I mean, basically you had, and this happens a lot when a coach leaves, you either lose that entire recruiting class because the players don't mm. want to play for a new coach. They wanted to play for the sure. original coach and they get out of their letter of intent. But in Xavier's case, I mean, Chris Mack had really kind of whiffed on that recruiting class right. entirely before he left. So it was it was kind of going to be a bad situation either way. But then also before that, you think back a couple years ago, they had tried to recruit a kid, Jared Ritter, out of the Missouri area. He ends up transferring before the season even starts. He just got homesick and didn't like it. But he was supposed to be a pure shooter. Now, he hasn't done much at Missouri State either, so I don't think that was going to work out. But then they bring in a guy like Elias Harden, a Keontae Kennedy, a Dontarius James, all guys that were supposed to bring some shooting. And to this point, none of them have been able to be legit high major basketball players to the point that they could ever give you that shooting. And really, if this team had one or two more shooters to mix in, they might be pretty darn good because they have some pieces like Quentin Gooden, Tyreek Jones, Najee Marshall, and Paul Scruggs are all guys that almost any high major program would take individually on their team. But all four of them on the same team just doesn't seem to work together at all. Well, and you go back to the shooters. I mean, Bryce Moore had a couple of opportunities. One I thought was a terrible shot. I think they were down nine. He jacked up a long contested three. But then down, I think, six or eight, he got a great look in the corner at one and didn't make. And, um, you know, I know he made the one at the end of the half, and that was kind of contested, and I'll give him credit for that. But... Again, he's shooting, what, 27%-ish on the year? And 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 that's a good point to Brady's point with the whole recruiting. What they have tried to do now, back-to-back years, is bring in these stop gaps with the grad transfers from like a lower level. But it turns out, like, Ryan Welliger from San Jose State was a legit shooter. He shot over 40%, but he just couldn't really play at this level. He couldn't defend anyone. He's a total liability. Uh, Kyle Kasslin from Columbia. Couldn't make shots and really just seemed it, the game seemed too big for him at the Big East level. Um, and then this year, you know, you're kind of getting a similar thing from Bryce Moore. He can give you some defense. He had a big shot at the end of the half today. Right. But for the most part, he just hasn't given you much all year. Yeah, and it's all about, about the level of, of consistency. And the problem is, you're back next year, you're back in a situation where you're probably needing to do the same thing because you're probably going to lose Paul Scruggs and Najee Marshall in addition to the two seniors, Tyreek Jones and Quentin Gooden. And really, I mean, while Kiki Tandy and Zach Freeman will both look promising, they're still up and down. I don't know that they're ready to lead a Big East team. Not as sophomores. No, they're not ready as sophomores. I don't think so either. So now you're... The rotational guys. Looking for talent right. in a one-year scenario again. How does that happen? You know, I mean, you're probably going to be transfer portaling it up again and then... You're going to well, have some thing. issues. You're, you're in a rebuilding situation with veteran players already. And that's not good, especially not when good you're a all. new coach and you miss the ba- tournament back-to-back years. You're, he's not in danger of getting fired no, after no, this no, year. No, by no, 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 no. Nor should he. But if you go into year three and struggle again, things get See, a lot louder. See, and you heard him in the locker room of the All Access. He said, guys... Forget about all this noise we're going to hear. It's just us. Yeah. And it's I mean, that's just what you got to say. They did, say. A, they did a great job of that last season and give credit to them. What What did you think about his demeanor? Because some fans, I think, felt like he should be melting down more on the sidelines of that game. Well, A, you know, you're mic'd up. Let's go. Let's that's go. Let's go from there. A big part. Because Brady has seen me in action as a coach and I get a little. <laughs> well, little, you wouldn't care if you were mic'd or not. I press entertainment. That you don't have to pay for. Yeah, um, exactly right. I, I thought he handled the officials pretty well. I really did. I know that, that probably is hard for him. I thought I thought McDermott came off as a jackass with officials. I mean, really you, whiny. Yeah, you can't complain about every little thing. You just can't. Now, to his credit, he didn't do it in an over the top manner. It was very. He keeps a conversation. He keeps going, a conversation yeah. going, and I thought he did a good job of that. But at times, I'm like, dude, you can't complain every dead ball about a about a foul or a violate. You just can't do it. Please stop with that. There was a couple of times I thought he he probably should have lost his mind or maybe was going to lose his mind. The one to me was he was in a defensive huddle, and he said, listen, know who the drivers are, know who the shooters are. We keep running out and jumping at the guys who are drivers. And what happened? I think it's when I sent you a a text that I'm not going to repeat about Zach Fremantle, (laughs) where Zach Fremantle was the first thing the guy did. He ball faked him, jumps in the air, guy goes around him, and I thought... As a coach, that's the most frustrating thing, right? Because you just you're trying to give your guys, listen, know who the drivers are, don't jump at them. Oh, I think I would have yanked him. Now he yanked who did he yank or he yanked somebody quickly. He yanked Fremantle. Yeah, early was it Fremantle or was it was it was it uh, was it Jason Cars? One of the two. It might have been yanked Fremantle yeah. early when he was like, get him out of there. Yes, yeah. and I've done that before. I mean, there's times I yeah. turn around on two possession, go, he can't play, get him out, yeah. and I will, I will, as the kid comes off, I will let him know in no uncertain terms. Here's why I took you out. I thought that was pretty a little soft of. 
box out or get a rebound or something like that. I'm like, nah, dude, you're a little you're a little more pissed than that. And it's okay. It's o- it's genuine. It's okay. Yeah. And and usually th- what they do is they tell the assistant coaches, here's what it. I'm mad at. You, you sit there it. and you and talk think, to them and, and explain it. And I saw it. an assistant and that's what go they down. Did. I saw yeah. an assistant go down. But so. I think I, I understand fans want a little more fire and jumping guys. But I think what you you get to a point now if you're Travis Steele where okay the veterans aren't giving us enough. You're, maybe maybe some of the fans are right. We need to play Kiki Tandy and Zach Fremantle more. Start developing those guys for next year because we're just very limited this year with the guys we've got. Okay, but if you're going to do that, then you also have to realize those guys are going to blow defensive assignments because they're coach freshmen. And just coach them up. Yeah, you just can't coach just lose right. your mind no, right. all season That's because fair. it's it's Groundhog's Day at this point. Your team keeps coming up short in the same ways, and the answer is they're limited. Yes, no no, no doubt about it. I just, like I said, I go back to, I, I thought it was a very cool, fascinating look that, that FS1 did and, and with, with the all-access. I'm not, I'm not opposed to what you say of give me one coach for a possession, give me the next coach for a possession, but I... I the back and forth, because initially when I thought, I'm like, wait a minute, they're going to do back and forth the whole time. This is not going to work. But then the more I listen, I thought, this works actually beautifully because you got one coach call on a set. I mean, we do it on scouting reports. We know, everybody knows sets. I mean, you, you, I mean, maybe you put something in new and you look and you go, okay, they're calling this, this. The next time they go to it, here's what they're going to do. It's two pin downs and a pop and a back screen and a flare. So make sure that we know where we're supposed to be at halftime. Let's draw it up and show the kids what's supposed to happen. Uh, but I think it also shows... All this stuff about uh, you run better sets. Everybody knows sets. It's a matter of can you execute the set, and then when you get the ball where you want. Because look, even when you know the set, when there's enough activity and movement and screening and popping and back screening and flaring, it's still hard to guard that stuff. So if you execute it and you get the look you want, Go finish it. Yeah, good offense. We always talk about this on this podcast, but good offense always beats good defense. Just because if you make the shot, there's nothing I can do to take Dude, that away. If, if I go five out and he went empty, I call it empty two. So I call it spread, spread empty, yeah. five out, whatever. It's all the kind of the same thing. It's open post. If the other team can't guard you off the bounce and you can go where you want, you're either going to make a layup or then guess what the adjustment is? Here comes the help. Well, guess what the adjustment that is? I'm going to kick it here. And then the rotation comes and one more kick and it's a, it's open. You can't guard that. There's nothing you can do if you have five dudes that can do it. And nobody does. But my point is, I can go to spread every time. And if my guys are better than your guys and we spread you out, they're not going to guard it. I, you, can, you, you can yell at the top of your lungs, empty. They're going empty. Okay. How do I guard the guy in front of me? Oh, wait a minute. I got a gap. I got to help. Oh, wait. A gap and help. He just made a three on me. And you can see Xavier for times. There were a couple guys. They were not going to leave his shooters defensively, right? They right. just, they're locked on because they realize I'll give up a two before I give up a three. So now it's up to that guy guarding the ball to go, got to sit down and not Guard let it go yard. where it's going. That's hard to do. Yeah. And uh, Marcus Zagorowski certainly doesn't make it easy. Oh, my goodness. I, I thought um, the, the I would probably like it a little bit better if the coaches weren't always talking at the same time because I thought that got distracting. I think you could go four-minute wars, alternate between them. Okay. But I did really like the interaction where you I had Steele yelling out zipper, and then you've got McDermott knowing exactly what the yes. play is. He said, here comes the cross. Yep, yep, yeah, yep, all that. great. So, um, and then later in the game, you're right. For the fans who didn't realize, what he was doing when he was just saying a lot of the plays to the bench is he's telling his assistant coaches, this is what they're calling it from the bench. We so, haven't seen this on Right. Film. So right, write it down so we know what's coming. And then later in the game, for instance, they had seen a play twice already. And later in the game, they yell, "DJ, it's coming to you!" Right. Like they didn't know the right. exact action, but they knew who they were Where going to. Right? Yeah. No, I thought, I, I, like I said, I thought it was awesome. And it, as a fan, I would sit there and go, "Wow, that's how a game really progresses." Yeah. I know how that progresses. I think you know, you know, you're around enough. I don't think an average fan knows that that's literally how a game kind of progresses. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. I don't think you want that every game, but I think no. it's a really cool look in once or twice a year. Probably. Yes, absolutely right. Yeah, All I agree. Right. Let's let's move to uh, to NKU. You guys uh, both uh, with with you're with the radio network. Rick he does the TV. Brady does. Um, I was I, I broadcast the game Friday myself, a high school game, and got in the car and uh, listened to about a minute or two in and listened for the whole first half as I was driving back down. Met some people for dinner, so I listened a little bit longer, and I just kept thinking. For a while, like, all right, they're going to make a run. 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 And it just went straight downhill. Look, I guess you just throw this in the trash can and go, let's start from scratch. But, boy, that's a brutal beat. How enthusiastic did I sound on the call? You sound you sounded at least professional. I will give you the I appreciate professional. you saying yes. that. They actually let me in, surprisingly. Yes, well, I, was, the, I was stunned by that. The lady did say sorry when I told her where I was from. Wow. Yeah, the lady at the gate. It was great. My name's Broaring. We know who you are, sir. Keep moving. Don't got, look back. We've got your picture right there. Exactly. Buddy. Don't look back. Uh, I mean, Brady, holy cow. Look, winning there was going to be hard, but that was a disaster. 
that was an all systems failure. Yeah. And, um, you know, Rick was there to see it up close and personal. I was able to see it at home. I thought about going out to a watch party, but I had stuff to do. I was preparing for a broadcast, uh, for Thomas Moore the next day. So, uh, better choice for you. (laughs) Let me just say this about the second media timeout. I realized that might've been one of the best decisions I ever made (laughs) is not leaving my house in quite some time. You know, it just, and it seems like it happens when there is a week to prepare for a game. And it seemed to have happened when John Brandon was the coach. And now it's happened with, with Darren Horn. And I don't know what it is. Is it the fact that these guys, maybe the stage is too big sometimes, but they definitely knew, but they, they played on big stages, but it just seems like that national stage on the road, and two words, right state. I think fans and followers have put so much pressure on the fact that Blaming we have Rick to have Boring. somebody to hate, and that's the team we chose, which just happens to be the one who is the best team in the league or second best when Northern Kentucky has been because Valpo's gone, I'm and, on he's the, and it's not just Rick's fault. He's just <laughs> one of them. He's the main he, culprit. He's the he's big the loudest. He's the loudest by far. He's the loudest, but he is by far not the only. He'd be the, the guy only. that would go in the locker room and go, guys, we're not losing this game for me. <laughs> It's not about well, you, Rick there's Warren. other people if they even had access to those, that locker room and to those players that would do the same thing. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and, you know, it's a gut punch, too, because the Nutter Center's close enough to drive to. There was probably a ton of NKU fans in that crowd. Yeah, it wasn't as many as in recent years, but it was still a decent amount. And that drive back, I've done it the last two years before I did this, <laughs> and I did it this year, too. It is the worst drive after you lose up there. It, Absolutely. Well, my, my daughter and fiance went. They're both NKU grads. She played golf at NKU, and she, <laughs> they decided to stay. <laughs> They're like, we're not driving back from this. They, did, they I thought that was a good move, actually. So I, they I, gave more money to the city of Fairborn <laughs> yes, yeah, well, as a result mistake. of being so depressed. And that's the only reason I wouldn't stick around, because <laughs> I'm not going to stick stick in whatever one-star hotel they have in the city of Fairborn. <laughs> they bought their tickets ahead of time, too, and I said, that probably was a, was a bad decision, A, because then you're kind of stuck of going. And she was like, well, I, I wanted to go. I just wanted a better result. The Airbnbs there are like various dog houses. And <laughs> yes. Stuff. Well, and just the fact that it was a 30-point blowout. It's one, What's worse? Getting, you know, just absolutely house like that? Getting house or, like that. Or... You stay in the game and lose in a heartbreak. Like last year, pretty much the turning point was a trivial technical foul because Jalen Tate smarted off to an official, and everybody wanted to kill that poor kid. But I would have much rather had that result than what happened because at least Jalen Tate – at that time, gave enough effort, had enough swagger and enough confidence to go in there. Yeah, man, I'm going to beat you guys, and I'm going to tell you about it. Where these guys, they just, I can't say they look scared, but they totally looked overmatched from the first possession. Well, so I'll, I'll go to this then. Was this more Wright State just getting the buzzsaw going at home, or was this more NKU not ready for the moment or not good enough for the moment, or, and you got to love the question, the proverbial combination of both? Well, it's it was clearly so much both because – Wright mm. State played really well above yes. the level they've been playing at for most of the They deserve all play. the credit. Yeah, William they were awesome. Wampler Jr. the third. <laughs> well, and look, they're a team that's equipped to beat NKU's defense more so than any other team in, in the Horizon League. One, they have that massive they center have a, they with have a touch, big. Yep. which can give you trouble if you're able to pin NKU's big man in that zone low and, and catch the ball around the rim. Plus, NKU doesn't really rebound all that well out of that defense. And then two, you have a shoot. Every team tries to attack the middle of the floor against that zone because they give up mid-range jumpers. The thing is, most teams don't have one guy or definitely not multiple guys who are confident and consistently ready to shoot that shot. So they second-guess themselves because they're wide open. They're like, this is a bad shot, but I'm wide open, so I'm going to shoot it. And then they brick it, and then they brick another one, and now they're not going to shoot it anymore. Right. And then they, it's just all in the Everything gets game, bogged right? down, yeah. Wright State came out. Every, t- every player that caught the ball in the mid-range from 10 to 18 feet just buried the jumper immediately. No hesitation, just, I'm shooting this. This is what we shoot all the time. This is part of our offense. And and if you're going to do those two things against NKU, you're going to have a chance. Plus, William Wampler, the best perimeter scorer, is not a guy who needs to play off ball Junior screens. the third. William Wampler, Junior the third. Esquire. Great lettuce, that I think guy. he's got all those things. <laughs> I, I know you love his hair. He's my guy. He is my guy. All right, so I'll start with you on this part, Brady. How much do you then just kind of compartmentalize this of – Look, Wright State's better. 
their place they're probably going to win. So we'll ch- we were, you know chalk that up and, and, and move on. You're now this is the first rotation through complete, correct? Mm-hmm. If I'm not yes. mistaken, yep. through the league. That so was now you start the next the round robin, half, yeah. and so you get them back at your place. And whether you win the league or not, the only thing about winning the league that's nice is you do automatically earn the NIT bid if you don't get the NCAA tournament bid through winning the, the conference tournament. But, but I think the bottom line, is, but I think the bottom line is. You know, that's a good point. Well, you know, finishing one or two is the big, big part to this, mm-hmm. right? So you still have that in front of you. You can, you can look at the, the, the Green Bay loss and say, all right, we can flip that one. You get Wright State coming back, you can flip that one. I don't know if that's going to be enough to, to finish first, but it should be enough to finish second if they take care of business. Yes? Yes, it is. But you still got to take care of things. You got to go up there with a week to prepare up at Green Bay, a team that's already whooped you on your floor. Green Bay didn't just win against no, Northern Kentucky. Right. They whooped them. Not as bad as Wright State did, so that's got to be in the back of their mind as well. I said this on the Sports Authority, and you guys kind of chuckled and laughed, but that's really true. The Horizon League went away from giving the one and two seeds the double bye in the semifinals a couple years ago because it never worked. Well, then they went back. Then one seeds proceeded to still lose to eight seeds, Northern Kentucky being one of them the second time around. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for Northern Kentucky to get a three or a four because they would host a conference tournament game. It gives you a tune-up, and it keeps you sharp. If you do advance into the semifinals, uh, just what, three or four days later. But with that said, you want to win every game that you can. But it's just, I mean, right now from two to eight is being, it's two games total separating a mismatch. You can end up having a pretty decent record and find yourself in the fifth seed and and be very dangerous. That's either a bad weekend away or a good weekend away, depending on whether you're home or on the road, right? But after seeing every team in the conference in in person now, don't, don't you think that NKU and Wright State are very clearly one and two. Definitely. To me, I think Green Green Bay is the third best team, but mm-hmm. they keep showing. I mean, they just lost at Youngstown State in overtime. It seems like, like everybody's like that in this league, isn't it? Right, yeah, except for Wright State and NKU, and, I yeah, think, have separated themselves Those a two bit. have been the most consistent. It's yeah, just, I mean, take, take the Green Bay loss out for a moment. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess well, and the Detroit, Detroit one's to, worse. To, to, the I, Detroit is but, inexcusable. But Correct. Detroit's on the road, so I, anytime you lose on a road but in the league, But you know, league, those guys have four wins now in the league. So they're all of a sudden are dangerous. The one I would say, if you want to take one out, take the Green Bay one out because that's at home. So give that mm. give that win to NKU for a moment. You went seven and two the first round robin through. You give me seven and two the next round robin through, which I think they're more than capable of. You finish second, you feel good, and you get Dantez Walton back, you feel even better. Yeah, and by the way, let's remember NKU in the years that they've kind of, you know, these first four years that they've been eligible mm-hmm. and kind of dominating this conference a little bit, they have slip-ups along the yeah. way. Like they've struggled in those years, too. They've How never about that just, Cleveland State game on senior day last year? They've never just run roughshod over this this conference yet. But right. to me, talent-wise, there's a decent amount of separation between NKU, Wright State NKU, and the rest of the conference. Now, the big question, and I, I want to know your take on this, Brady, because I've had a couple conversations with NKU people since the Wright State game, and they're like, honestly, do you have any faith that NKU could return the favor and beat them when they come back. Sure. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, you're at home. You're going to have a, a ruckus crowd there. You have the dreaded one week to prepare, which I'm kind of <laughs> nervous about. We don't know if that's about. good. Yeah. Don't know if that's right. But, yeah, I mean, let's face it. Both those teams have played better against the other one at their place in recent years. So, yeah, they're, and, and it's five weeks away. You've got a lot to – And Dantez and, Walton. You very well could have Dantez Walton back. I mean, that's not a guarantee because he's day-to-day as he's out indefinitely, which are two different things, by the way. (laughs) Being out indefinitely and being day-to-day are the exact opposite of each spectrum. (laughs) So with that said, you got to hope he is warming up. He is doing basketball activities. you got to think at some point he can return. I they would definitely be better once he does. Yeah, but you need and he is the guy. Need a few weeks of getting him rolling. Too, Correct, right. but he's the difference maker. No doubt, he is the guy that has gotten them through every tough situation. I mean, in, 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 with his with his demeanor, he he doesn't get rattled. He doesn't get sped up. And other guys on this current NQ roster do. Sharp gets sped up sometimes. Sure. Jalen Tate, even though he's a fast player and downhill, sometimes he gets sped up. Walter for sure. If but you Walton can't rattle. Hurt, he's the player of the year in the league, right? Absolutely. I mean, he's runner, runner, yeah. right. And he's a guy that you really can't rattle. 
Right. And that's a big yeah. that's a big Well, part. and he's the guy you can throw it to and he can actually beat guys one on one. Right. They they don't have a lot of that on the offensive end right now. And again, I think they had more issues than just being able to, you know, find a way to score in that game because their defense was 90, getting what, absolutely shredded. Uh I'm really curious. I think they can beat them in the return game too. I do too. But I'm really curious how much like did they hold some stuff back? For instance, Almost every team that plays against Wright State is going to make loud and love guard ball screens and play away from the basket because they're showing recovery and you get him out of position. He doesn't move very well. NKU, and they don't typically set a lot of ball screens within their offense, really didn't do any of that. They didn't force him to guard away from the basket all night. He was pretty much parked in the paint, didn't have to foul, was, was actually a nice defender for Wright State in that game and wasn't a liability because he was in the paint rebounding and contesting shots. So that's sort of my question is, are there some adjustments to be made that they didn't need to make for this game, knowing we might play these guys three more times, let's see their style first. Let's feel them out. Times, and the, well, right, yeah, three times total, yeah. right? And um, that—that's kind that's of what I'm call. wondering: is, is there like a little that. more to NKU's game plan the next time? I think there will. be. Yeah, there probably will be. That's that's actually a really good point. Uh, let's touch on Cincinnati for a second. We're going to have Chad Brendel on our weekly podcast, the one you and I do during during the week. Uh, Chad not with us tonight; he's on special assignment. Um, and UC did not play over the weekend, and you and I kind of covered the the last game, their, their last victory. But I'll, I'll get to them before we get to Kentucky to, to kind of close the podcast out. Um, we talked about this on the Sports Authority a little bit. While Xavier has a chance, if it can get a win or two on the road in the Big East, the resume building of that is significant. That's still a huge if because I'm not sure they're capable yeah. of it. And by the way, they could also lose almost every game. Yes, so. that's exactly <laughs> I mean, there's no easy wins. I think for UC, what it's starting to show is, I'm not sure there's a team that's clearly better than them, if better than them at all, not let alone clearly. And so they can start to stack wins. The problem, though, is there really can't be a slip up the rest of the way. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, I don't know what the exact number for them is because their resume isn't great at this point. They need to almost run the table, it feels like, or at least, you know, just win the the American Athletic Conference tournament, which is a legit possibility no with this team no at this question. point. I think and you've seen it with John Brandon too. He's the type of guy He gets them either he, ready at the right time. He reminds me of Chris Mack in the sense that he's very much a player's coach. He lets his guys play through some mistakes. They lose some games that you look at and you go, How did they lose to those guys? Mm-hmm. But then when it matters in the tournament, his dudes come to play. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this UC team makes a run in their conference tournament. I'm a little less bullish on them running the table in the regular season. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if they need to do that. Large. Yeah, I don't need to, if they need to do that. But I think they need it, to come pretty close to getting that. Large, yes, no, 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 no question. I mean, they're what fourteen and seven at this stage, or thirteen and seven, whatever it is. Yeah, Twelve and seven. Twelve and seven. Yeah. Um, you know, you you got a big week coming up with SMU in Houston at home. You you probably again you can't have you can't have a Tulane you can't have an East Carolina you can't have any of that stuff anymore and you're going to have to go steal one on the road against one of those upper echelon teams. Houston is the best team in the league arguably right now and, and record wise they are I think arguably um, performance wise too. But you watch them and it's not they're, they're not they're not great they're really good there's there's nobody great in the league. I think you have to win against SMU at home. And then you can't slip up. I know Connecticut's a top 100 team. But they're not. They lost to Tulsa at home today. You got to go and you got to win at Connecticut. And then you got to win at East Carolina. And you got to win at home against UCF and at South Florida. If you do all of those, I think you give yourself a chance. But that's a lot of the rest of the season. Yeah, right. That's several games that you have to win, essentially, or you're probably out. But that's the thing. I I think you and I talked about during the week is I think everybody wants to find a way. How can you back? into the at-large bid. Well, no, you don't. You now you got, you got everything in front of you. If you're good enough, go get it. Go earn it. If not, go to the tournament, go to the postseason tournament, and win that and earn it. I mean, bottom line is now, you have, there's no backing in for anybody at this stage. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think I would feel better probably about UC's chances of making the tournament now than I would Xavier. Yes, I agree. Even though UC has the tougher road because of their resume. I mean, th- their resume is pretty bad at this point, honestly, in terms of a tournament team. Ag- agree. Xavier's right now still like in that first four out somehow because yes. everyone else stinks too. As a bracket matrix before today, they were still in the first four out. They were the fourth of the four out, but yeah. still in both the first the, four out. Both of them and, De- them and DePaul were right, in that group. Right, which is crazy, yeah. which is crazy to think of. But yeah, I think if I was a UC fan, I'd at least feel confident that this team is capable of doing it. But you got to go do it. I mean, it's not like they can go. You're better than them. You get the win today, and you're better than them. You get the win today. And yeah, you're not. You're not 100 better. You guys got to go play this game. It doesn't work that way. So, like I said, I think everybody always wants to look away of how can you back in. Well, you can't. So go earn it. But they still kind of have that that extra bullet 
left of Jaron Cumberland becoming Jaron Cumberland. Yes. Like, if he all of a sudden just hits that, I'm a senior, it's the end of my career, and I'm not going out. I'm starting to enjoy the way we're playing, right. enjoy I, my teammates. I'm going out on my own terms, like, yes. I'm going to do this thing. If he gets, like, crazy hot in this conference, he can clearly be the best player and lead them, and then things get really interesting all of a sudden. We're not quite to that point yet. He's getting better, but he's not quite, no, like, right. player well, of the year in the right. conference. That good. time needs to be now, because yeah. you're yeah. halfway through your conference, and at some point, that light bulb comes on with a senior that realizes, wow, I don't have many chances left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and for him, you know, he's clearly wants to play this game for money at some point professionally, and he's got to build that resume through his performance in college. As a senior, I would think that the urgency would be now, and I, quite frankly, can't figure out what's taking him so long. Yeah, and I no, I totally agree with that. It's a shock that he really didn't – and, I mean, it's unfair. Maybe it really was the injuries and trying to work his way back, but he seems so aloof at times, right. and, like, he really didn't want to be on the court playing. He wanted to be anywhere else. Now, all of a sudden, he at least, again, he's not, he's not Jaron, Jaron at his best, but he's starting to look like a, a, one of the better players in the conference, and he's starting to lead them a little bit. If, if he takes it to another level in the next two or three weeks – They've got a chance. And that's the thing you said. I mean, that is the bullet in the holster that you've got that Xavier just doesn't have that guy. Unless, and we didn't really get to this, unless Quentin Gooden comes back and plays like he might be capable, and I just don't know if that's going to happen. And, I mean, they need a scorer slash shooter. Like, even if Gooden plays well, he doesn't raise their upside and make them any less limited than they are right now. Whereas UC can all of a sudden go from being a little bit limited offensively to, like, Damn, Jaron Cumberland's being Jaron Cumberland in that system with some of the other guys playing well, like Chris Vogt and Trey Scott and of Trey late, Scott and, Jay, and Javen when Javen can spot up. Shots. Like all of a sudden, it's like whoa, that that team can score a little bit, especially in that conference. So they've they've got a little bit more of an interesting storyline here. All of a sudden, in the last month or so of the season. All right, Kentucky. We talked about uh, you and I a couple of uh, weeks ago. The, these these Saturday games for them. They had to go to Arkansas. They had to go to Texas Tech. I believe Auburn is the next Saturday milestone for them. So they've passed two of the three. Um, I don't think Texas Tech is great. They're not the team they were last year, obviously, but they're still a tough beat in their building. That the, the last two Saturdays have shown me this team has some grit to it. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, Nick Richards is a guy who people have been waiting for I so was. long. I mean, that, that Louisville game, the light bulb went off for whatever. I don't know what's, what, what flipped it, but it flipped, and dude is a double-double machine, and now he's a 20-10 and 10 machine. You know, and I hate to repeat all of the catchphrases John Calipari has. Because he's got a lot of them. Because he has a lot of them, and as I've always said, and I think you'll agree, he's more he's full of more you-know-what than a Christmas turkey. Mm. But, no, one's done, no one's done less with more, Rick, as you know. Here we go. <laughs> but... Some people's path really is different than another guy's just because he was ranked, especially bigs, and just because he was ranked by some service who watched him play in a weekend in the summer in the AAU, and he's not, it's not his total fault, but you know, there are. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. I wouldn't give him that much credit, by the way. Good point. Because you probably missed the one weekend that Nick had the great uh, time (laughs) to get himself ranked in the top 10. But yeah, some guys, you know, they're instant one and done guys from from the word go, they don't belong on a campus. This is a guy, Silas Adecki's another one who's not as talented. He didn't start playing basketball till later in life. As a teenager, he didn't even know the rules of the game till he was 15 or 16 you're years six, old. Eight, six, nine, six, ten, and and you six, eight, six, nine, six, ten, you look like You want to play basketball? Sure, what is it? Yeah, and then you're 6'10", and it's tougher to grow into your body to begin with, even if you're just a normal person walking down the street. You know, it just takes some people more time than others, and they've been lucky that this has been his time because if he would have developed at the rate everybody wanted him to... He'd be gone. He'd be gone, and then what would Kentucky be right now? Because Khalil Whitney surely wasn't the answer as well. Another guy, a little bit overhyped, that didn't realize his path was a little longer than it should be. Yeah, he gone for sure. Yeah, I, I think the thing with Nick Richards um, is when you have that inside presence on the defensive end, to that like that is the epitome of Cal's defense. If he has a rim protector like that that's also clearing the boards the way Richards is right now, his defense goes to a total another level because they can really pressure the ball. And this year, they have the guards to do it. Haggins is just an absolute ball hawk on the perimeter. So that defense now with Richards playing that level can be elite. And they showed that at Texas Tech because that's a place where you put your hard hat on and you're going to fight. 
for 40 minutes, and in this case, it was even more than that. It ended it up being 45. 45, and you talk about rock fights, man. It, Texas Tech, man, those are some boulders you, they're throwing at you when you they have ha- a rock fight. You have to battle them and, yep. and be disciplined and play defense, and Kentucky showed they could do that. But then on the other side, man, to give them that inside-out combo of quickly shooting quickly's the basketball. Been great. Quickly's been great. Yeah. But it's also giving Richard space right. all of a sudden. He's right. not getting crowded because there's a couple shooters on the floor with him, and, and Quickly's like a legit threat all of a sudden. Uh, this team... I'm getting to the point, like, we're like, oh, are they going to struggle to make the tournament? I'm getting to the point, like, are they a Final Four team? Like, this year where everyone else is struggling, they're elite defensively, I think, and Mm -hmm. they're starting to show they can score a little bit, even on the road. And and the other part is it feels like every game it's you haven't had all cylinders, and you're not going to for the most part. But, I mean, Tyrese Maxey, if he'd have gone two for ten a month ago— They'd be done. No chance. They don't win. Yeah. They don't even come close to winning, he was let alone re- on the road against a pretty good team. He was really pretty bad in that yes. game and, and like hurting them, and mm-hmm. they just fought through with no problem. I mean, th- their composure and their maturity all of a sudden has gone from it felt like zero a month ago to all of a sudden they're just really solid. They handle adversity well. They keep stay the course in terms of their game plan on defense, and uh, they find a way to fight through it. Plus, they've had a couple guys contribute here lately. Juzang. Uh, guys. Juzang. And uh, Keon Brooks, in particular, who all of a sudden figured out a role in January. I know you're supposed to find that out in November, but when everybody's a freshman, right. it's going to happen a little bit later than for other teams. Well, and that's the thing. They come in the season every year, and no one has a role. So they're all finding a role, and that can be difficult when everyone's doing it at the same time. Yeah. They got Vandy midweek. That's not a problem at home. Then they're at Auburn. We talked about the three-game kind of tough, tough stretch for them. If they go to Auburn and they still have Auburn in a return game, they still have LSU on the road, they have Florida twice. But if they go to Auburn and win, could this team work its way up to the three line at some point? There uh, are five I, right now, I believe, if I you look think, at bracket matrix. Could they work their way up to the two line? I think anything un, un, um, under the one line right now is wide anybody, open. Like, I don't Kentucky, think anything yeah. is set from the two line because there's this – so much to be decided still among the top 15 teams I was going to say, who, who's your one line right now? It, well, it's, it's teams that have earned it, whether you like them or not. Right, San Diego State's be, on the one line right now because sure, they still haven't lost. Right. Gonzaga's on the one line. Uh, Duke's on the one line. And probably Kansas on the one line. I mean, those would be the four. Yeah, uh, Baylor, actually. Or Baylor. Of Duke, yeah, I'm sorry. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Baylor on the one line. Um, Kansas, San Diego State, Gonzaga, right? Right. Those okay. are the four, yeah. according All to Brad. Yeah, I forgot to write teams yes. as far as before their conference tournaments. Yeah, those, those four teams, if you sat here today, I think we'd all agree they've at least earned it to a large degree. I mean, we can all question San Diego State and their resume, but they still have not lost a game, and that does at least speak something. But yeah, I think anything below that. And then, let's say San Diego State in their league loses two or three times. How far do they quickly fall? Because you're like, well... Yeah, you won, but your league sucks, and it's the Mountain West, and you go down the straight, you go down to three. Yeah, for a team like Kentucky, I, I think they had too many slip-ups. To, they've precluded themselves right. from the one line. But I think a two is possible, and a three is very much in play for them. Well, Ohio State has not helped them, uh, uh, although they did <laughs> yeah. beat Northwestern. And that was a, They needed something along those lines. You, you shouldn't lose to Utah in a neutral. You obviously can't lose to Evansville at home. Those are some slip-ups. But you got to scalp with Michigan State, which is probably on the two-line right now, right? Uh, who was that? Michigan, Michigan State? State. Michigan State is three. Okay, so they're yeah. on the three line, but they're at least in that in that conversation. Um, Louisville's got to be close to the damn two line if they're not on it. Yeah, they're the second three seed right now. Okay, so there's Dayton. two three seeds. So you're right in that mix with a couple of pretty good scalps. You get one at Auburn, and they're probably on the two line, right? Or are they still three? They are a four. They're really? the last four. Yeah, that surprised me a little bit. Okay, but you still got a chance to get you. You've got a chance to look at your resume and go, pretty good resume at this point in the game. So yeah, absolutely. I think they've they've got a decent resume. They just have those slip ups that are going to keep them from being that elite right. resume. No, you're right. But they can fight themselves back up into a two three without question. Which is incredible to think where yeah. this team was. Now they very well could still end up being like a five seed as well, but that's okay too with this team. Right, I think. exactly. I think this season you're you're fine with that. Um you just <laughs> I just don't know if there's any comfortable place to be. Yeah. Right. I will say, uh, but that being a big national game, there was a lot of prop bets available for it. So I had, in addition to the first half and second half money line, I also had a manual quickly plus 13 and a half points over. Um, so that buzzer beater he hit at halftime put me money line first half and got him 13 points. So he is now a half a point behind what I needed. So wow. I was a little a pretty good happy spot. about pretty, that yeah, shot. You figured yeah. that stage. That was a good moment. That's why you bet for all moments you, like that. All you need him to do at that point is go to the line because he does not miss the foul. You just give him the line one time and you're gold. Yeah, which by the way, have you been to uh, Smoke Justice's little new bourbon bar they opened in the back of the place? I have not, but I've been told all about it. Awesome. 
It is awesome. They set us up with a little uh, pull-down screen and some couches and stuff because there are no more tables left. Because you're a VIP, right? Well, no. I, I'm you are a VIP. You're, yeah, no, I mean, he's clearly a VIP. No doubt. I walked in. And the first time he's ever been humble. <laughs> I walk in, and we're like, first time. do you have a, a spot for seven? And they're like, well, let's see. And they're like, no. But Boring Rick. Wait a minute, Mr. Boring. Mr. Dickman says you're good. We've got an interesting little setup if you'll take it. It was f- fantastic. Really yeah, enjoyed it. Because it was for you. You called ahead of time. You just had to be the big guy and go in there and go, I don't know if I can get us in here. Let me, I'll see what I can do. Where a slug oh, like you or I, Skinny, would just walk in. in the yeah. bourbon, <laughs> couch with a bourbon sampler and a TV screen? The amount of times I know, how, I I've stood happened. drinking cheap beers with you two jamokes because we can't get a spot to sit down somewhere and you're going to do me like this. Mm. Unbelievable. I, 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 Unbelievable. I think you just big-timed us both. I'm, I'm I'm, impre- I'm actually impressed. I'm used to it, Skinny. I don't know about you. I think, well, and it's not just Rick who's big time. It's I pretty much say, everyone. That is totally erroneous. <laughs> All right, we do do this on this podcast, Brady, and you don't have to have one. Do you have a final thought of any kind? Wow. Being that I took the booking, um, you know. Late in the game. Very late in the game. All I got to say is, is that, uh, you know, since I came here to represent Northern Kentucky, I still think they have as good a chance as any, a puncher's chance, and it's still not a bad thing to get in that NIT because it's a great thing. because they could be matched up with a team like Cincinnati or Xavier if they don't get in the NCAA tournament. And I don't know if that's good or bad because as an NKU fan, I'd like to try to win a game, and that would be a difficult win to get from either Xavier or UC. But I, I still think either way, uh, Northern Kentucky's got a lot of basketball left to play. And um, just remember, this is kind of a rebuilding year with a coach – that is coming in, and, and he already knew his team wasn't deep to begin with. There was 10 games without Jalen Tate. There's probably right around 9 or 10 right without, now. With without and, and, and growing. At different times, you know, I think everything Northern Kentucky does is gravy this year because I think the best is yet to come. Rick, any final thought from you? You always got a lot of final thoughts. I think you just gave one with your big big timers with the bourbon bar thing. Yeah, jigger, I, but look, yeah. I'm not going to open my mouth again after I got shot. Down. I was trying to share a nice experience with you that I thought you well, could relate to. And how can we be one of those times. seven people in that party? Yeah, next time you go, really can you call need. us? Can we be part of the entourage? Can there, I be part of your entourage? Can I be the old man in the entourage? Here's the thing. But neither You're one part of, of you the NKU Radio up. Network right now, and I'm a nobody. I'm just doing a little small podcast. Can I be part of your entourage? Neither one of you would show up if I asked. I beg you. You guys, hey, are you, are you guys going down to Dickman's tonight? So can serious? I hang out with you? You don't have to ask me. You'll probably already see me there. You get, me out, you get me out of the high school basketball season when I'm, I've got something every night well, of the week. Well, that's the usually. issue. You, is. Your schedule is on but, but But it's coming to a, to a head a little bit here where there's a little time for college. So if you decide to go, I mean, if, if, I, if I can be in your presence, I'd really appreciate that. That would be yeah, geez, great for me. Geez. I mean... Thanks, Brady. Just, You're, Brady's not coming back to the podcast. Oh, well. just, just, I'm sure Chad that. Brendel is relieved right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, just, I, I just hope it happens. Wally pipped. That's, Chad just got Wally pipped. <laughs> he just got Wally pipped, Chad. <laughs> we'll see how Bearcat Journal liked the UC talk today. He could be done. Yeah, maybe. We'll yeah. see. We'll have uh, we'll have Chad on this week. Brady, enjoyed it. Thanks for being with us, man. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me. Good deal. For Brady Labor from the NKU Television Network, or at least NKU TV, Rick Boring of the NKU Basketball Network, the big man in town nowadays. I'm Richard Skinner. I'm nobody. Thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. Thanks for being with us.